All right, Marcellus, did you want to do our welcome today? You may not have audio going. Uh, I want to welcome you here uh, to our Sunday morning Zoom service. And uh, we're excited to be here uh, compared to not being together at all. And I hope that uh, you've had a good week. I hope you've had a blessed week. Um, we continue as a church leadership uh, to meet and pray about when we can be back together in some level in person again. We're planning on how to get together uh, so that we can continue to have video options uh, and looking to add kind of other things going forward. Uh, and we're praying about you guys. And so even while we are apart, it is good to be able uh, to be together here and in this way. Um, this morning, we're going to have uh, a prayer by Alton, a scripture from John Meyer, a uh, couple of songs. Uh, Peter's going to speak as our communion talk. Uh, I'll be presenting uh, the sermon, and uh, Evan and Nathan have been working together on, on songs, so Nathan's picked our songs out for this morning. Uh, Nathan's going to make a couple comments at the end, and then Kevin's going to have our closing prayer. So thank you all for being here uh, this morning, and I look forward to worshiping with you. I'd like to read one, just one verse before we pray this morning is Psalm 139 and verse 1. And the Bible says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. Let's pray together. God, we're just so thankful and grateful that you know us, each one of us, so well. You know all about our ups and you know all about our downs. You know all about our fears and you know all about how to calm every fear. You know all about our discouragements and you know how to build us up. You know about our moments of despondency and concern in this time that we're living in. And yet, Father, we know that you transcend time. Time really means nothing to you because you are already in all of our tomorrows. So, but Father, just for today, to know that you know us that we are never forgotten. We're always foremost at the center of your heart. And at any moment, when we call out to you, even as with Daniel, you're able to dispatch angels of mercy to come to attend to us and to meet us at our every need. So Father, because you know us so well, help us Father to strive even now today and every day to want to know you, to know your peace, to know your consolation, to know your comfort, to know your confidence, to know your strength, to stand in your might, to be one with you, and to know that we have already overcame the world. 
that there is no weapon formed against us, no virus formed against us that's going to prosper. We're already more than conquerors because we know that you love us. And because we know all these things and because we know that you know us, we praise you. We thank you. We honor you. We worship you. We love you. And Father, we know that we love you because you loved us first by sending your only son to come and live with us as a man and give his life as a ransom and as a price for that which we could not pay so that we could know that our relationship with you is eternal in the heavens and very present with us, each of us, this morning. Just, Father, give us every, every moment of your spirit in everything that we do, even as we praise you today. And thank you again for all of these gifts and blessings in Christ's name. Amen. A reading from Job 34, 14 through 15. If it were his intention, and he withdrew his spirit and breath, all humanity would perish together, and mankind would return to the dust. Reading from Psalms 104, 27 through 30. All creatures look to you, give them their food at the proper time. We give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth.
Me. <laughs> 
there's um tries for a minute we are having a number of, of kind of fun technical difficulties this morning um kind of see if we get around these for a second i'll share with you um kind of something from from my week uh i've been on a number of phone calls and in conversations and um, even was, was part of a focus group that had preachers from around the country earlier this week. And they were gathered together by a group that wanted to know what is going on at churches. Uh, what's working well? Uh, what is causing you grief? And then what are the challenges that you feel like are ahead for your congregation? And one of the things um, that was striking uh, was that for churches that were, you know, you may remember, um, well, I won't, I won't say who it was, but we had a, one of the preachers was on the East Coast in a city that's been very hard, stri hard stricken by the disease. And he was talking about the painful toll that it's had on their families, uh, financially, health-wise, some of them sick and, and just affected in many, many ways. Uh, while others, the big challenges that they had were getting their members to be patient. Um, and dealing with uh, problems like technology and other things. Uh, but when we got to talking about the challenges that lay ahead, one of the things that was very common in almost every uh, one of the ministers I've talked to is that they're worried about how their church is going to hold together uh, in light of the different things that they desire uh, in terms of when we meet again or how we meet now or over the past couple weeks or in the future. And, and one of the things that I am reflecting on this morning is, and we kind of move this into a conversation about uh, our communion talk, is that I think that it is so important that in moments like this, that Christians should be the most united people. Not because we're all of one mind in how we live, not because we all wear masks or don't wear masks, not because we are all the same in how we've experienced this crisis. Some um, are having a good time together with their families at home right now. Others are experiencing this with great difficulty and burden, some with financial loss, some having to risk their own kind of safety to go out and be uh, present to people who are struggling with the illness and diseases and other things. There's so many different ways that people are experiencing this. But as Christians, what we all experience as we're going through this and any other struggle is that we do so in, in the unity that comes from being the people that are in Jesus Christ. That is the body of believers that we have been given grace for all of our sins and all of our shortcomings. We've been given grace to get through all of the, the difficult times that we, we come up that we come up short. And yet in every one of those moments, Jesus showed us the grace that we needed. And in difficult moments like this, where community is challenging, uh, the cross will always invite us to extend that grace to our brothers and sisters, to extend that grace to the world, to demonstrate to them uh, that the things that hold us together are always greater than anything that could ever divide us. And so this week, as we take uh, our communion uh, bread, and, and take the fruit of the vine, what I want to invite you to do is to just take a moment and be reminded of the unity of the body of Christ, the unity that we have with those who are in parts of the country that, that in terms of the illness are struggling more than us, uh, with those who are struggling financially, with those who uh, are being blessed during this time of, of spending more time with their family and being able to pour more into their kids, and times of having the difficulty of having a lot more time with our kids and all of those things uh, we share in those experiences because we share in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so as we take um, this bread and cup this morning, I want to invite you to think about the unity that comes from being part of the body of Christ. Let's pray for the bread. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you so much for your son, Jesus, for the way that he lived, that he was always reaching out to people that others thought were outsiders and making them family, treating them like his brother and mothers, recognizing that those who were obedient to God are the ones 
that he considered his family. And Father, we share in that today, that we are the family of Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for that, that his life demonstrated what that looks like, how to do that, and that today the church lives that forward and help us as individuals and as a body and a family uh, to continue being that uh, type of, of unifier, that type of includer that Jesus uh, lived out and the church has always been. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Father God, we come to you again and thank you for your son who died on the cross, who spilled his blood so that we might receive your spirit. Father, three in one, you have always been calling us and inviting us to a relationship with you. And this week we're reminded that that relationship that we have in you and you and us is shared with all of us and one another because we are your body and your people. Father, thank you and let us take this fruit of the vine remembering again uh, that this meal unites us where the world seeks to divide us and that there is nothing that is greater than the blood of your, Je the blood of your son, Jesus, that holds us together. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Okay, I don't have a really great way to transition from me talking into me talking, so here we are. Um, what a day, what a day, uh, a resurrection day, a day of remembering Jesus Christ, uh, of remembering so many of the blessings he's given us, uh, being grateful that in the midst of the challenges that we're going through, that he continues to give us the tools to come together and be his people. Um, I started working on this sermon a lot uh, over the last week or two, and um, at one point realized that I was working on a really long sermon, and that your Zoom attention span would probably not allow for that, um, and, and it would probably get discouraging at some point when I saw participants dropping from 84 to 72 to lunchtime to dinner time to 31, and so I realized this is two sermons. Um, I was a little bit uncomfortable with it yesterday, and at some point I realized it might be three sermons. So there's a chance that at some point today, I'm just going to have to say, and that's it for today, folks. We're just going to pick this up later. Um, but I want to talk today and for the next week or so about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, about the Holy Spirit and, and how we learn things about the Holy Spirit from uh, the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, the books uh, beginning in Genesis and prior to Matthew. And, you know, there's a great kind of difficulty that is, exists when you want to talk about the Holy Spirit in Churches of Christ, because really in a lot of ways in the past uh, couple hundred years and in Protestant churches, you know, we seem to be uncomfortable studying the Holy Spirit uh, because we really don't understand the Spirit. There's an irony in that, because it seems that the best way to get a better understanding of the Holy Spirit would be to study it, but we don't want to study it because we don't feel like we understand it. We don't understand it. And, you know, there we go round and round again. Um, and one of the other things that's a little bit of a challenge is that historically the Protestant Christian churches, especially in our country, have spent far more time in the New Testament than the Old Testament. We love the story of the cross. We love the gospel story. We love the teachings about the, the church and, and the growing of the church and the evangelism that's there in the New Testament. Um, and the Old Testament was kind of seen as the Old Covenant, and Old often meant outdated and replaced and um, not as important. And so when it comes to studying the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, we've got some work to do, some challenges that are ahead. Uh, in many ways, like what we're doing in, in, in our actual lives right now, going into uncharted waters, this study has a little bit of that feel to it. 
And so, in fact, as I talk about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, you might be tempted to kind of think, you know, didn't the Holy Spirit make a great first appearance when the Spirit showed up in Acts chapter 2, coming on the apostles and allowing them to preach a sermon that caused thousands to become Christians? Isn't that really the Holy Spirit's great first opening act? Um, and the real answer is that a great appearance? Yes. But the Holy Spirit's first appearance? No. No, it's, it's not. And, and it was in that moment that you see the shifting of how the Holy Spirit interacts with the people of God. And, and Jesus really talks a lot about that in the Gospels, especially John you know, 13 through 15, that they should expect this change in how they're able to interact with God's Holy Spirit. Um, but we've talked earlier this year about how the Spirit was present and involved in the birth of John the Baptist and the birth uh, of Jesus in Luke's Gospel. He was present to Jesus in various ways throughout his ministry. Uh, the Spirit would come on Jesus and lead him into places. Uh, it would lead him into the wilderness to be tempted. It would lead him into the temple where he would go and preach and do the things that needed to be done. The Holy Spirit is present and active in the life and gospel uh, ministry of, of Jesus. Uh, but the Gospels then aren't the beginning of the Holy Spirit's interaction either. There's... Uh, Holy Spirit presence uh, in the Old Testament as well. And so when we think about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, um, the first thing we really need to kind of understand in terms of the backgrounds of thinking about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Thank you. We have, everyone's had fun with this. Go on. All right. Is that the Holy Spirit sometimes show up when you least expect it, um, which is so fun. The Holy Spirit's a surprising agent. Um, when you want to talk about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, we've got to do a little bit of background work first. We've got to go back and, and think about things uh, that maybe are a little bit different than we've thought about them before. Uh, and so one of the first things we need to understand that the Old Testament has a challenge in describing the experienced reality of what has only been partially revealed. So the, whole, the Old Testament is trying to, to describe the truth and the, the reality of the Holy Spirit. The people of God know that the Spirit of God interacts with them in some way, but, but it's only really been partially revealed to them. And when, when I think about how this must have felt to them and how it kind of reads to us today, I don't know if you've ever read a science book that is several hundred years old, um, a science book that that is before like the understanding of gravity and they try and explain why things stay attached to the ground. Um, you read it and you think, man, they are describing accurately and with scientific precision and scientific detail how gravity works, but they don't know to call it gravity. They don't know that it's affected by uh, how, you know, galactic bodies in movement and, and at rest affect uh, how gravity works. They don't understand that. And so they're describing accurately something that they only partially understand and later will be revealed more fully. And so when you read an old science book, it really has that feel of, I mean, they're describing something that they can experience. Um, they're describing something that they know to be true, but man, our understanding of what they're experiencing is so much better today that I could describe it better than them knowing what I know now about gravity and science and so many other things in the world. Um, the Old Testament runs into that challenge when it comes to talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, is entirely real, and the, the writers of the Old Testament are describing to the best of their ability something that they know to be present and true and active, but it's only later that it would be described with much greater accuracy. And it's a similar thing that we notice about prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, when we see the Old Testament prophecies uh, about the Messiah and the Son of God and the one that is to come, they give partial glimpses of what Messiah will be like when he shows up. And yet there was rampant confusion about what Jesus would be like when he actually arrived. And that's because they were describing accurately and truthfully what had only been partially revealed to them and it limited what they were able to, to say about the coming Messiah. And that's true in, with the Holy Spirit as well. And so it shouldn't be 
surprising to us that when we get to the Gospels and we have people that are live and in person watching the Messiah at life and at work and in ministry and in his teaching to say, this is the greatest story that we've been expecting for so long, but we only had just fragments of understanding about what was to come. Now we understand so much more. Uh, the Holy Spirit's that way too. So when Jesus in, in John's gospel starts talking to the apostles and he says, I want to tell you about, I need to leave so that the advocate, the Holy Spirit can come. None of them reply uh, to Jesus by saying, uh, Jesus, we already know about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's been around forever. They're a little bit confused. They're responding to Jesus's teaching on the Holy Spirit the way that everyone's responding to Jesus's teaching about the Messiah. This doesn't quite feel like what we expected, but it does have echoes of everything we've always understood and been taught. And here it's coming into to reality and fruition in ways that are really meaningful and powerful um, and confusing. And so uh, for us to kind of see what their expectations were, there's a lot of value in going back into understanding the opening act of the Holy Spirit, which really comes up in the Old Testament. But the other thing uh, that we, we need to be thinking about is that uh, a lot of times in the past we've thought of God as God the Father is in the Old Testament, Jesus the Son shows up in the Gospels, and then the Holy Spirit arrives in Acts and is present in the church through the rest of, of the church's life and history. And when we think about it kind of chronologically, like we can only have one at a time, we're really missing something about what's going on uh, in the Old Testament, because the reality is that we know, even in the very beginning, that God the Father spoke and created. Yet in John chapter 1, we read about how the Logos, the Word that would become flesh and that we know to be Jesus, was present with God in the beginning, and, and that this Word, this Logos, uh, was creating, and that everything that was created was created in Him and through Him. And next week, when we get to the creative power of the Holy Spirit, one of the things we're going to talk about is, uh, is even as early as Genesis chapter 1, as God begin, begins his creating, that the Spirit of God hovered above the waters. The Spirit of God hovered above the waters. Um, and the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, although remaining forever a mystery, that how it all works, we're not going to be given that uh, in this world is revealed to us in a way that invites us into this mystery that doesn't make it less true. It just makes it more than we can completely understand. But it doesn't mean that we don't need to be exploring it and learning from it and being blessed by it. And so we're going to look at how the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have been one and together and involved in every part of not just Scripture, but of God's interaction with this world and this creation and humanity. And the Spirit is present in the Old Testament in ways that we've sometimes overlooked. And so we're going to get into some of those uh, for the next week or so. Uh, the other thing you need to know before we get into our study of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is that the Hebrew Scriptures use a word for spirit that is pronounced something like ruach, ruach. Um, and if you want to say that uh, next to whoever you're with, when you get to that sound at the end, um, it's going to sound a little bit like some kind of a planetary system from an Avengers movie. Uh, the person next to you might get a little bit of, of, of spittle on them. Try and not do that. Um, it's ruach. It's this very strong word. And what makes the word interesting is that the word is translated as wind or breath or spirit, and a spirit, it can be um, kind of the, and we're going to get into this more in the next couple of weeks, but it, it can be kind of your disposition, your attitude, like kind of uh, he woke up with, you know, a bad spirit. Uh, it can have that, but it also has this idea of your spirit being, the life-giving, animating force that is in you, and all of that, wind, breath, uh, attitude and demeanor, uh, your, your animating life force that is within you is all contained in this Hebrew word, ruach. And we're going to start looking at, at a number of places that it shows up in the Old Testament uh, so that we can understand how it works. Uh, there's going to be sometimes that it's really just functioning as, as wind. 
And let me see if I can, I want us to be actually be able to look into some of these uh, scriptures. So let's get into, all right. So in Genesis uh, 41 verses five through six, uh, it's talking about Pharaoh and his dream, his dream about the, the heads of grain and what's going on. And, and it says again here, talking about Pharaoh, he fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. And that word wind there is that Hebrew word ruach. Uh, in Jonah 4 and verse 8, there's this east wind that God sends to Jonah. It says, when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east ruach wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. And in these passages, while this wind uh, is being sent by God, uh, it doesn't have the idea that it is, in fact, God's spirit. It is a wind, a meteorological event that arrives and changes what was going on before the wind got there. In Psalm chapter 1 and verse 4, uh, it talks about the wind that blows the chaff away. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the ruach blows away. And, and so this word can have the, added, the, the idea of wind. Um, and I think that that's important because it gives us a little bit of a hint as to how the Hebrew uh, people understood the Spirit of God. Uh, wind shows up and you can't see it. Uh, they didn't know when the wind would be coming or when it would stop. The wind would come when the wind wanted to. Jesus uses that phrase. Uh, the wind is like the Spirit. It blows where it wants to blow and does what it wants to do. The Spirit shows up and it's invisible, and it's unpredictable, and yet when it arrives, you know it's there. Uh, when wind shows up, it makes a difference. When wind shows up, it moves things. When wind shows up, and it, and it blows through with a great force, and the wind goes away, you know that wind was there. It moved things. It changed things. It affected them, and, and so there's this connection between wind and spirit, but in addition to wind, it really can also mean, and I mentioned this a minute ago, the disposition or attitude uh, or the state of a person's heart. And so Ruach uh, can also be like a spirit of courage or a troubled spirit. And so again, uh, in the passage with Pharaoh, where he has this vision where uh, a Ruach blows over um, the wheat and dries it out. Uh, so in the morning, his Ruach was troubled. His spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. He had a troubled ruach. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 11, this is uh, part of the passage where God is telling Joshua over and over again to be strong and courageous. And the question is whether or not they'll be able to do that. Uh, and, and in chapter 2 verse 11, it says, as soon as we heard it, our hearts were melted and there was no ruach left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and in the earth beneath. And so it has this idea that their willpower, that their courage, that their willingness to do what was ahead of them was totally wiped out of them because of fear. They lost the wind, the spirit, the ruach out of them. And it can also mean breath. Um, when we get this idea uh, that, that this word, Hebrew word, can also mean breath, but not just like blowing, okay? When we think of breath, a lot of times, uh, I remember when I was a child, and if you really wanted to make someone crazy, you could just go up and blow in their ear, right? You just breathe on them, um, and, and, and that's not really the breath that this word is talking about. What this word is talking about is not really to blow, like to make a wind from your mouth. This idea has the idea that breath is the receiving of air and oxygen and everything that is life-giving, that breath is what gives you energy in this and every moment. Breath is what gives you, sustains you, provides you with life and energy and everything that you need. 
And so it's not so much the air blowing in or out, but the result of that air, which is the animation, the giving of life to your entire body and being. So Genesis 6 and verse 7 says, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. And that word there, breath, is ruach. God says, I'm going to take the ruach, the breath of life that's in every creature, out of them. And I'm going to do it by means of a flood, and death will reign because of this decision I've made to bring judgment on the earth so that I can restore it and make it new again. Um, so that's kind of thinking about that idea of, of the breath of life being removed and in the negative. Uh, the ultimate kind of positive thinking about this, this type of, uh, of breathing of spirit and life and sustaining wind and everything into, uh, into a body comes from Ezekiel 37. And this is a longer passage, uh, but I want you to see how important the Ruach is in this text. So in Ezekiel 37, the prophet is out there and it says, uh, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the Ruach of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones and he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make Ruach enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put Ruach in you, breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no ruach in them, no breath, no spirit no animating force. And then he said to me, prophesy to the Ruach, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come Ruach, wind, breath, spirit from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, I just realized I was not tracking along with the scripture here. But, uh, so I prophesied as he commanded me. Then he said, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle in your own land. He says, I will put my ruach in you and you will live. You'll settle in your own land and you'll know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. And, and you just see as we're going through this Ezekiel 37 text that he's saying, I will make the Ruach, the breath, enter you. I will put Ruach breath in you and you will come to life. Uh, but there was no Ruach in them, so they were in fleshed bodies. The bones stood up, the tendons came on them, the skin was wrapped around them, but they had no spirit, no breath, no wind. And, and he says to Ezekiel, call on the four winds and, and the four winds will come and send this Ruach, this breath, this spirit into these dry bone bodies. And Ezekiel does, and the breath enters them. And when we read this story, it's a weird story, and it's a powerful story. But when we don't have access to this, this Hebrew word that, that has this idea, 
of both wind and breath and spirit and the power and force of God and everything that is coming into these people, we're missing something. And so when we think about what the Holy Spirit is doing, how much more powerful is this Ezekiel 37 uh, image and passage when you understand that what Ezekiel is seeing is the very Spirit being sent from God like a wind into these bodies and giving them new life. What an image. What an image of what happens in the crucifixion, resurrection, and resurrection, and what is now offered to Christians in the Holy Spirit that our bodies, once dead, are now filled with Ruach, life-giving, animating, life-sustaining breath, that the Spirit comes into us and gives us what, what now allows us to be fully alive, fully present, fully filled with God's wind, breath, Spirit. You know, the meaning, while it, it is essentially breath or wind, is really more specifically pulling the idea and the effect or the power of it, the result of it, the influence of it. The Spirit is like the wind. It's unseen, but when it shows up, it always makes a difference and changes things. While the Old Testament doesn't yet have access to Jesus' teaching in John's Gospel in chapters 13 through 15, they don't have Acts chapter 2 where we we've already know that a great ruach, a wind, a fire, is going to blow upon the apostles and fill them with the holy ruach so that they may speak in languages so that all may hear the first presentation of the gospel at that Pentecost. We know way more than they do. And, and so the Old Testament is having to, to use pictures and explanations and images to try and explain that which they know to be true but have not fully had revealed to them and do not completely understand. But it enriches for us today so much of what we're reading about in the New Testament, so much of what they're experiencing as the Spirit goes from the more impersonal force that has all of these resulting influences and impacts and, and, and shows up and makes a difference in the Old Testament to this force that now, according to Jesus, is going to live in those who believe that he is God's Son and who are in him as he is in the Father, and the Spirit will come into us. The Holy Spirit in the New Testament becomes much more personal. And it's personal because Jesus makes uh, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ruach, accessible to everyone who is in him. And so the text that were read earlier uh, this morning, Job chapter 34, 14, and 15, and this is really where we're going to be headed next week. In this passage from Job, it says, if it were his, God's intention, and he withdrew his spirit and breath, all humanity would perish together, and mankind would return to the dust. The spirit from the very beginning is what gives and sustains all life. In Psalm 104, it says, All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their ruach, they die and return to the dust. When you send your ruach, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. Something is lost in the English translations that for some reason use a different word there in Psalm 104 to say, when you take away their breath, they die. And when you send your spirit, they are created and renewed. The reality is it's the same word and they're both breath and they're both wind and they're both spirit. That when the spirit shows up, God's spirit and in, in animates people, it gives us life. It creates us. It recreates us. When it's taken away, we die. When it's given to us, we are filled with him and filled with life, and there are no dry bones that God's Spirit cannot bring life into. What we're going to see over the next week or two is that in the Old Testament, the Ruach of God is creating, recreating, is present, is guiding, is leading, is sending, is empowering all through Scripture. He's doing in the Old Testament that constantly give these, these foreshadowings, these uh, echoes in advance of what the people are experiencing from the Spirit of God as they anticipate and look forward to what's coming 
when the Messiah arrives. And what we know from being in the now and having all of Scripture is that when the Spirit shows up, He's going to change things. When the Spirit shows up, the Spirit, like a wind that sweeps through and, and moves trees and blows things all around, that you feel when it's there, that it brings change with it, that impact results, that nothing is left unchanged when the wind shows up and makes a difference, that nothing is left the same as before the wind. Nothing is left the same as before the Spirit. I hope that God blesses us and speaks through me by his spirit for the next couple of weeks as we look at what the spirit's been doing, not just when he shows up in the apostles at Pentecost, not just in the gospels, but what the spirit has been doing from the beginning, present with the father and son, creating, leading, being present to us, showing up and making a difference so that we can anticipate the spirit showing up and making a difference in our lives as well. May he bless us as we join in song I have a couple announcements and a closing prayer. So won't you sign me up? Sign me up for Christian Jubilee. Won't you write my name? church family. Um, it's been a while since I've gotten to address you, and I just wanted to share something with you that I thought was important this morning. Today is May 17th, and under normal circumstances, we would be celebrating with our high school graduates, honoring them before you and being able to pray over them. I know that uh, many of you can remember this, but some of you may not be able to remember anticipating being a senior in high school uh, even 7th, 8th graders, um, especially though 9th, 10th, 11th graders, look forward to that senior year. I remember mine showing up, and it just kind of flew by real fast, but then it kind of slows down right there at the end. There's lots of tests to get done, um, but those tests are followed by celebrations, a lot of attention on you from friends and family. Well, those tests are still there, but that attention, that celebrating, uh, that focus on the seniors this year because of the social distancing is lacking. 
And so I just wanted to remind you that even though um, we are not able to celebrate with them together today, um, that Caleb Baker and Madison Kirsch are in fact graduating from high school this year. And it would be awesome for you to call them, uh, send them social media posts, write them a note or a letter of congratulations. Uh, we do plan to have a celebration with them at the end of the summer. Uh, they uh, value the, the presence of you being with them. So they elected not to do something virtually, but they want to celebrate together when we can uh, in the same location. But I just wanted to give their names to you. Again, Caleb Baker and Madison Kirsch. Uh, so you could be reaching out to them and celebrating with them as they accomplish this great thing of graduating from high school. Uh, it's a tough time of transition for all of us. Um, it's a weird time to transition out of high school for our seniors. So please uh, be attentive to them both today and through this week and next week um, as they don't get to walk across the stage, as they don't get to gather with friends and family as they normally would. So please reach out to them and know that we will have a chance to celebrate with them at the end of the summer. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Nathan. Good grief, Kathy used to babysit Madison when she was still in a high chair. <laughs> yes, Cindy Woodard, we're that old. Uh, I was somewhat amused by the fact that uh, we did have technical difficulties this morning and we were scrambling around trying to get on here wondering, oh boy, are we gonna be able to pull this off and all gather together? You know, our brethren in the first century they were meeting because of persecution and because of situations from the government. They were meeting and assembling in caves and catacombs and dark, damp places to worship, to take communion, to do what we're doing here today. And from what I can see week after week on this Zoom, the pictures show us that at least we're assembling in the comfort of our homes, well-furnished, beautiful homes, many of them. And a favorite uh, line that all you country folk will be familiar with, I just like to think that this pandemic compared to what our uh, brethren in the first century dealt with, when it says, this ain't nothing, to be grammatically correct for you kids who have been doing online schooling, the proper, the proper word would be, this isn't anything compared to what they had to deal with. And this too will pass. We are not being hunted down to be dragged into court for assembling like this. This is wonderful compared to what our brethren did. And yet in their times, the church flourished it even grew. It did more than just survive. So we can definitely overcome this. Uh, among prayer requests that I have this morning, and I'll see if I can get this one right, Cindy Skelton, who has a niece that lives in Elgin, that niece has a sister named Jamie. I think I have that right. And she asked for prayers that Jamie have a healthy pregnancy with baby Braxton. The kids in California are finishing up boys' school year and Sarah nursing hours, Sarah and her nursing hours working around this. So for that whole family in general and what they're dealing with. Anna McBroom asked that we pray for her coworker's father-in-law who is a member at Memorial Road Church of Christ. He had his pool filter explode in his face. It broke every bone in his face. He is in ICU for a week by himself because no family is permitted to visit him. But praise God, he was also allowed to come home yesterday. He has surgeries and a long road ahead. The family is grateful that he's alive, but he still needs a lot of prayers. His name is Dan Waugh, W-A-U-G-H. <clears throat> Leslie Stevens, ask for prayers for my friend, Celine Williams, who is the wife of the pulpit minister at Ada Church of Christ. She was just diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. 
She starts chemotherapy on Wednesday. And I'm glad I read this before my phone messed up. But I think I remember the gist of it because I've been hearing it for a while. Jana Barnes asks that we please continue to keep baby Archie Draper in our prayers. Megan and Preston are expecting Archie, I believe, in about a month, if all goes well. He's had several health issues, including with his heart. Things are progressing positively, but they still have touch and go in their lives with this birth to occur next month. So let's keep that family and, and baby Draper in our prayers as well. Let's go to God together. Lord, thank you once again for this medium that we have to keep in touch, to fellowship, to worship together, to take communion together. Thank you for your spirit that you breathe in us to allow us to live and to enjoy being part of your body. We pray for these who have asked for prayers. We pray for Jamie and her baby that she would have a successful pregnancy and delivery and that all would go well there. Lord, for Dan Waugh, who had a serious accident this past week, we asked that everything would go well there with his recovery. And though we know he has a lot ahead of him, that we are thankful that he survived this accident and, and that you blessed him with more life. And, and we ask that you would bless him now and his family as he recovers. Lord, for Celine Williams, who is now suffering from cancer, we ask that things might be done medically to help alleviate this and, and battle this disease in her body and that she may given, be given more years on this earth and with her family. Lord, for Megan and Preston and for their child, Archie, we ask that you continue to send your spirit on them and, and that this road that they are on continue to be a positive one health-wise for him and for mother. We ask that everything would go well and then when it comes time for him to come into this world that it all take place without complications. Dear God, we ask your special blessing on Caleb and Madison as they have reached a pinnacle in their life that is so important and although they, like so many other seniors this year, are struggling without the, the pomp and celebration that takes place in, in a student's life at this particular time. Let them know that we do celebrate with them and that we care and that we congratulate them on this accomplishment. Dear Lord, be with us this coming week. Continue to bless us as you have through this entire situation. We ask all these things in the name of your son. Amen.